Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Jewish Divorce Project. Thank you for lending us your ears. At this moment, I'd like to direct your eyes to our Facebook page. We want to let you know that one email from you can help release the hostages still bound in Gaza under Hamas control. Uh, and we want to let you know that we were updated, that the UN Security Council is meeting with families of the hostages. And this is an opportunity to increase pressure on various international ambassadors by directly writing to those representatives of those countries. So go to our Facebook page and you can see all the instructions there as well as the content for the letter. Uh, please check it out at the Jewish Divorce Project uh, on Facebook. You'll see all the instructions you need. Now we'll get to our show. Hi everyone, welcome to the Jewish Divorce Project. I'm your host, Noam Rauscher. And I'm your host, Liron Tal. Join us as we kvetch and kvel about Judaism and divorce. From our perspective as two Jewish professionals and two divorce coaches. And two Jewish parents with lots of experience and plenty of opinions. Hello, everyone. Hi. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. Welcome, welcome. It's good to be here. It is. We're almost at the end of October. Can't believe it. Yeah. Right? Crazy. Do you have Halloween plans? We do. Our house is really decorated. Is it? Yeah. You don't decorate the house for Halloween. Oh my I'll gosh, my boys out. love Halloween. You should yeah. come see our house. Yeah. So we have a tether ball in mm -hmm. the front. That I've seen. And we were like, what do we do? Should we move it? Right. We made a pole dancer. Uh, skeleton. A pole, a skeleton pole dancer. Pole dancer. And like. With a wig and a dress. In the positions. Like wrapped around the pole. Oh my. Pretty amazing. And whose idea was this? The boys. The boys. Pole dancer. Mm-hmm. Which just brings like the, I mean, just to mind that they know what pole dancing is. They know what pole dancing is. I don't think there's anything wrong with the kids knowing what that I is. I mean, do they know? doesn't mean strippers. They, 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 they know. They dance on a pole. Yeah. It's a form of it's, athleticism. Yeah, like pink, like does the aerialists and, and like you have to have core strength to be mm -hmm. on a pole and dance. It, it's an art. Does pink have pole dancers at her shows? I've never been like, to a pink show. I don't know why. I, think, I thought she did. You're not. <laughs> So, All right, well. So just in case you're in the Los Angeles area and you happen to be seeing a skeleton pole dancer on what looks like a tetherball set, you'll know you're at Liron's house. Yes. Good to know. Good to okay, know. Okay, well, uh, that's great. Like, I'm going to take my kids out, right? We're going to decorate the house, but I'm going to take them out for Halloween. They've asked, so why not? That'll be Are good. you dressing up? I don't like to dress up either. I'm not big into dressing up. Mm. It, oh, look, Downer. if I went to a party which okay. I'm lame enough, and I have not gone to a Halloween party lately. But if I did go to a party, then I would dress up. But if I'm with my kids, I'm not going to dress up. Let them do it, and then yeah. I'll just walk them around. My boys like to stand outside the house and jump scare people walking by. So that's fine. I sit on the porch, and I just watch grown men jump in the air screaming. It's Super fun. Pants, right? <laughs> awesome. Are they recording it, though? Is there, like, I'm, I, I'm recording, channel? yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. Oh, TikTok channel. So how was your weekend, though? Um, good. It was a good weekend. Had the boys with me. Um, yeah, it was pretty good. How about you? Uh, it was rough. Uh, I could not, I, I was, I had fully planned to, uh, put my dog down. Yeah, that's she's right. She's old and she requires a lot of care. Um, and she's incontinent too. And that's just, you know, a lot mm -hmm. of effort and, uh, felt like it was time. And this was already like the second attempt I had put into trying to do this. I figured the first time I did it, all I did was back and forth with the company and we never connected. So I was like, it's a sign. It shouldn't yeah. happen. Not going to push it. And then I finally like found the courage to do it and I did it. 
and it was a very emotional call and mm-hmm. it was all set and we were supposed to do it at Friday at three. And I even spoke with a friend, a therapist, friend of mine, Avi Steinhart, who is, was a early guest on the show through Monster Insight, a wonderful puppet he uses to uh, relay wonderful advice and guidance to the general public and especially kids. Uh, and so he was really loving and very helpful and supportive uh, just when I needed it to really kind of think about everything. And he helped me tell the kids or at least let you know like when exactly I should be telling the kids and how to tell them. And that was really helpful in and of itself. And there were a lot of tears when that happened. Mm-hmm. And then Thursday night, I had uh, an incredibly visceral reaction to it. Like I couldn't handle it. I actually did the same exact thing with my, I canceled it the day before. I couldn't do it. I could not do it. I was, I I went to sleep really, really sad. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, like it was a good night's sleep because I don't know if you've ever slept after a good cry, but like, that's what it was. I just was emotionally drained. Mm -hmm. And I woke up in the morning still thinking about it and was talking with friends and my guys in my men's group too. And was like, I I can't do this right now. I, I don't have the bandwidth for the grief. Uh, and I don't want this right now. And, um, and and of course, I tried to rationalize a lot of it to myself in the sense of, you know, like, she's not suffering. She's mm-hmm. old and she's difficult to be with more so now than ever. Uh, but she's not suffering. And so yeah. that's kind of where I'm at now. Do I also think that maybe that was the wrong choice? Yeah, I had a lot of those thoughts over the course of the weekend. Yeah, but you know what? So it's crazy. With with my Lucy, she was 14 a year ago, and um, we had it scheduled. I think it was also for a Friday, and the like two days before, the Wednesday before, I, she, I was like, she looks great. She's happy. She's fine. Like, I can't. And I canceled it. That Friday morning, was she was ready to go. It was crazy. And I had to watch her. I literally woke up, and she was not moving. And I called the people real quick, and they showed up. but. That was the day, and so I did. I did have to watch her suffer, so, which was hard. But you know, it was just like I just say, like since this is a podcast about divorce, it felt like that type of loss all over again, mm. and it really is. Like this is a death. This is a literal death of someone who's been with me for over a decade. Through who who's been with me through everything. Yeah. The start of my relationship with my ex. Right, getting married and moving in together and yep. having kids and becoming a rabbi and going out and having my first pulpit and having more kids and yep. you know, growing and all like she has been there through Raised it the kids all. and through the divorce and through yeah. to this point right now. She has never left my side. She's always been there. I, I, I like it felt like a real injustice. It really is. You know, I, I would sit on my porch when, when their dad moved out. And when I started having weekends without the kids, she was always on the porch with me. So I, I didn't realize until she was gone, like, oh, wow, now I'm alone. So, yes, it's, it is a really big loss. It feels like the end of. It's also like the last. Your, the last thing you still have together. Yeah. Well, it I really didn't have is. your kids. But. We have the kids. Like, they're there. They're not going anywhere. Yeah. God bless them. Yeah. Like, this is also like. Like the last thing of the marriage, yeah, yeah, last piece of that, uh, and so it's well, she's gonna go when she feels it's time to go, maybe you know, like maybe... well, that's what I keep helping, but like when is that, and to what end, and to what cost as yeah. well, because it does get expensive, like I know. all the cleaning supplies, and then the dog food, and the trips oh, to man. the doctors, and then if I need to travel for work, and the boarding her, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean I, t- I felt like I had a 
old lady in the house that I was taking care of at the end. Talked to my mom about it. And my mom said, this is exactly the same way I felt when it came to your Safta, your yeah. mother. Right? And she was in that position of, do I continue the care? And It's a very, you know. Well, it was a really big loss for the boys, honestly. we They grieved for a long time. Year, the year Let's after, see. still, Liam would start crying. But you know what? This was their... Even they haven't lost, to, God forbid, a grandparent or anybody yet. So this was their first experience with grief. And it, I actually think it was a very special way for them to learn about grief. I was all set for that. Yeah. And then part of me was also like, I don't need this now with the bar mitzvah. Why would I want I to do this now? Yeah. Right. And part of me was like, they're kids. They'll get distracted. They'll get over it. Right. Well, they'll cry when it happens. And then they'll go back to playing a video game. Right? Today's not. She'll show you when she's ready. She'll show you. You'll see. You'll see something in her that she'll show you. She's ready. I mean, Lucy just started like staring at me in the eyes. She just come up to me and look at me like, it was very sad. Okay, you. we're we're getting yeah. real real sad and dark. I'm I, I'm glad that you're I'm glad that you're sharing. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's okay. I mean, to open it with like putting Lassie down, old Yeller. This episode, Aww. jeez. Way to go, right? He looked Dom. over at Craig and he looked really sad. Well, we had <laughs> like... planned to talk about like mistakes we have made, right? So I think that was a good decision on my part, what yeah. I made, you know. But so mistakes we've made, you know, in divorce land is a very big thing. Yeah. You know, this is the time by which we grow and you're supposed to learn from your mistakes lest you repeat them again in other relationships. Yep. You know, they always talk about the first relationship you have in divorce is known as your first pancake because. It never comes out right. You end up burning it in a break. You know, it it, it doesn't hmm. work out. So you have to learn from that, right? Yeah. And yeah. so I'm kind of curious. And I when I when we talked about this, right, I started thinking from different stages. I thought in stages of when I was divorcing and then when I was dating post-divorce and then mistakes I've made in divorce land as well. And so I'm curious for you, what are some of the things that you've thought about in terms of the mistakes you've made? know in this yeah chapter in your life well first i think first and foremost the biggest mistake and i mentioned this before was from the beginning i had that inner voice telling from the beginning when we got engaged i had a voice telling me wow i'm going way back <laughs> first mistake wow but it's not a mistake because obviously this is part of my There's story and these are my that. children but i think that for somebody who is going to get married, that inner voice is important and you have to listen to it. Your gut feeling, whatever it is, that's saying, I don't know if this is right. And then you kind of talk yourself out of it, negotiate it because he's, you know, he he's good on paper or he's Jewish or he's this or, you know, he makes me laugh or whatever reason. He checks a certain box, but he doesn't really check the right one. But ones. you don't know what you what it is, but something doesn't feel right. You gotta listen to that. So I think that in general was when I made the decision to finally listen and laugh, that was just like a, okay, I'm listening. So that was Paying that was the first. And I don't saying. I don't mean for this to sound awful to like my family or his family or him or anybody's listening that like, you know. But I did want to be married. I did want to have kids. I wanted all those things, right? Um. So I would say that was that's the first one. Do you think though that just out of curiosity, because yeah. you know you're talking about the engagement, I'm curious about the context of things. How much of external pressure do you think you had in making your decision? That is to say, you know, a lot of it was he's Jewish. I want to find a Jewish guy. It's important to find a Jewish guy when I have kids already because everyone else is having kids. 
You know, how much of it you think was informed by that? Actually, for me, it wasn't because I was the first out of most of my friends. And I was like not looking for it, not ready for it. But I was with a man who was older than me and he was ready. And the idea of us, another, you know, he had Israeli parents like me and like our, you know, families were could blend. And it was just we both are very close to our families. And when our families got excited and on board, like disappoint anyone you know and I did the pressure for me was the I guess the event planner in me once we had the date and I started planning the wedding it was definitely focused more on the wedding than the relationship that I think happens to a lot of women yeah but you know That's something you I would have never I would have never had the guts to like back out because I was planning the event of the year <laughs> mm. and then you'd have to explain that yeah, and the money that was spent by our parents that helped and, like, all that, you know. So I think that. You kind of worked yourself into it. But then it was like, now, well, I'm here. This is this is my yep. choice. Let's do it. Right. You know, but mm. there was a little bit of before. Which sucks. It does. I don't think I felt anything like that. I felt there was certainly, like, a am I ready to get married sort of thing? Yeah. I mean, I could have had that feeling with anyone. Right. Also just the fear of the commitment. Well, and that's what I thought as well. I didn't yeah. think it had anything to do particularly with my ex. Yeah. I thought it had anything to, everything to do with just, is that a me thing? And, yeah. you know, is would that have happened with anyone just at this stage in my life? I definitely don't think I knew enough about myself or about my ex uh, to really be in a really deep committed relationship and enter into something that, you know, required so much commitment. And by mm-hmm. that, I just mean legally speaking, right? And financially speaking. And then when you bring kids into the mix and all that, uh, it just changes the level of the game that you're playing. So I, I was not ready for that at all. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm more ready for that now. 100%. I, I certainly know more about myself and how to communicate about myself more now. And it's so funny, like, I got married when I was 30, how come I didn't know that stuff about myself then? I think 30s, I think it's having, becoming a father. Be, I think all of these things help us learn who Probably. we are. Those I are mean, cracking open moments. Yeah, yeah. You don't know how you're going to be when you meet someone and you think like, she's going to be an amazing mother to my children. You really don't know whatever is, you know, you don't know. You don't know how oh. someone's going to really truly be yeah. um, under stress, right. severe stress, under financial problems like you don't know and so now that we've experienced it that's an important thing to find in someone like for me for instance i'd be like how does he handle under when shit goes bad like that's, that's what i want to know i find single mothers to be so much more attractive than just single women in general because i feel like they've been through something they've been tested in some way yeah we've been they should the crash know. test dummy well, uh... that's exactly my point right yeah. i think that's actually a very attractive quality about someone is someone who's been through shit in life and has come out the other side and learned something about themselves and is more capable of going through it again because it's not going to stop, right? And yep. at least, and, and I think that's ultimately what we're talking about. That was kind of the point we talked about with Erica as well, is that compatibility is not something that happens, you know, at the very first, yeah, you know, meeting. Maybe it does for some people, but that's like lightning striking. The larger point is that like you develop it over time through going through these things. Yeah, I and, feel like in my 40s versus in my yes, 20s, yes, I would look at, yes. at things and call them red flags. Sure. Now- they're deal breakers. Right. They're not red flags. Right. Red flags would be, ooh, I'm not sure, but he'll grow out of that, or I'm sure we can get work around that. 
the deal now it's deal breakers you know speaking of deal breakers you know <laughs> we've talked about um well maybe we haven't talked about it but certainly one of the mistakes i think i made was in the actual divorcing process with working with my lawyer i i, I don't think i found a lawyer who a really that cared too much about my divorce and and look maybe that's just a function of the system like there are these lawyers divorce lawyers who are handling a lot of them and so having a sense of compassion for everyone is a really difficult thing to dole out nonetheless i didn't ask them to really be um your coach (laughs) i think as you know as proactive as i needed them to Mm -hmm. be and wanted them to be and and imagine them to be in certain ways um i i know that when it came to divorcing, certainly a mistake that I made was that I didn't advocate for my lawyer to develop a real parenting plan. Like there's the basic one, you know, about education and health and all that stuff and vacation time, you know, all dividing up primarily for custody purposes. Um, But then there's like the whole element of how do you think about events that are going to happen later on in life, like planning for a bar mitzvah and how the expenses go and where it'll be potentially or who's responsible for it. Right. We didn't have any types of conversations about that. Now, either my lawyer didn't know about it or she didn't care or maybe she was just trying to save me money and thought that the very basic package was going to be fine. And then me and my ex were going to be left to our own devices to try to figure it out, which in theory really isn't that much of a big deal. But having something in place. Oh, yeah. Right. Would have helped a lot. Uh, It's so funny because that was my one of my second uh, mistakes I listed was not having anybody to consult with about what needs to be on the judgment. I had the same exact experience. And now I'm learning that it's really not the lawyer's job to get to know you that well to say, I, I mean, maybe, maybe some go above and beyond, but to say, this would be important to you or ask you questions like, do you want to include anything about what happens right. when there's another right. partner in the picture? Right. Like they don't bring that to your attention. Yeah. So in my situation too, and I, I just, I wanted to do it fast and cheap. So, given that it gets so expensive, yeah, you could. That's what, do it what fast we and cheap. what we tried to do. But there was so many gray areas, so many things that weren't discussed. We didn't even have the kids' birthdays in there. So two years after, when we were really, there was just so many things we were arguing about. So many things that just weren't clear. Right. And like even like um, the expectation of when to respond to things and like uh, just so many details that are so important. And I actually had um, a a friend that I knew that was a that's a a attorney and she marriage and family law and she's amazing. And I just like reached out to her and was like, what do I do? She basically was like, send me your judgment. Send me bullet points of all of the areas where you're having challenges. And she wrote it up like an amendment. We had it, but we ended up having to go to court for it, which was annoying. But long story short, that's honestly my favorite part in working with clients. That's my favorite stage of coaching them is like before you even go to the lawyer, let I now from personal experience can kind of bring things up. And the fact that I've gotten to the point where now I'm like hanging out with, you know, my ex and his fiance and their baby and tickling the baby at the football game together, like. It's impressive. We made it to this place right now, and it took so long to get here. But a lot of it now is that we have very clear boundaries, boundaries expectations, things yeah. in writing. That Those things help. 
So in some ways, you got to thank the lawyers for not having that type of foresight because you have divorce coaches who come in <laughs> and we go. <laughs> really do kind of like supplement that type of guidance. But, sh- but the lawyer that I refer them to sometimes or any lawyer that they've worked with, they'll always say that they're so happy that the clients I've worked with, that they come with knowing what they want. Mm. The lawyer, You're paying a lawyer. Yeah. They're going to do what you, yeah. if you come in with an outline, they'll put make it into the legal Thingy, jargon. Whatever it is that you need. <laughs> It's really professional the way that we said it. Yeah. Legal jargon thingy. <laughs> Work with us. <laughs> no, admittedly, I no, think I'm, that it, I think. I'm not it, trying to plug the coaching, but it does. I'm realizing when looking at my mistakes how much that would have helped. I mean, reason for that on this podcast. Well, yeah. We are divorce coaches. People need divorce coaches. I think the men that, that I work with uh, particularly benefit from thinking carefully and deliberately about. A, the type of environment they want to create for themselves in divorce, mm-hmm. right? And so what steps are you going to take to have a healthy and active lifestyle, build a community around you in the process of all this and grieve in healthy emotional ways? Uh, but then also, right, thinking about what they really want out of this whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. What do they, you know, it, five years from now? Looking, projecting ahead is so hard because in that moment, all you're thinking about is right now. You, you can't, you can't even imagine. It's so hard to imagine. I don't know if you, if you. Probably also really emotional in the process too. And so emotional. Your and you're probably afraid of a lot of things too. And there's no point in making any type of fear-based decisions. That's where mistakes end up coming from. Yeah. And there's women, also... I think, tend to focus on the kids yeah. and only the kids. Yeah. And I think men think more about money and mm-hmm. themselves. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that in a bad, in a negative way. I think women should be, Lord. I think there needs, they all need to have the same priorities. You have to pay custody support, right? And spousal support. Worrying about money is a very big detail. Yeah. And women need to worry about money a little more and need to worry about themselves a little more. Yeah. All they care about is like, he can have it. He can have it. Just, I just want my kids. And it's like, listen, in three years, you're going to want a date. You're going to wish that he had them some weekends and you're going to wish you had some money coming in. It's so funny because <laughs> I remember in the coaching program through the CDC, we're going to go to a commercial momentarily, but, you know, I remember in the CDC program, they talked about, you know, one of the number one mistakes that women make in the course of the marriage that becomes evident in divorce is that they're not really aware of the finances, right? And all the expenses and how much money is coming in and where it's going out to and yeah. all that stuff and what money is saved or invested. Yep. Uh, and so there's a, a big learning curve. And so to your point, yeah, women would do themselves a real service if in the process of marriage themselves, they were more active in the finances of the home. Uh, and men also, what's made clear in the process of the divorce, a mistake that they make in marriage is not um, actually taking on enough of the whole domestic details and domestic duties of the house. Right? Well, the yeah, because they didn't emotion. do it before while they were married. But that's yeah. what I'm saying, yeah. right? Which potentially could have led to a lot of the divorce in the first place was the, you know, the gap in domestic labor and also the emotional labor going into it and the exhaustion on the part of the wives. Uh, and so, yeah, um, there's a big steep learning curve for men in terms of how do I now take care of kids? You saw it in Mrs. Doubtfire. I keep thinking about that movie. Yeah. How, like, he first started out with like a ratty old apartment with just kind of like a card table and folding chairs and was making the kids like spaghetti and meatballs from Chef Boyardee. And then by the time he actually got through it and like got back on his feet and had some money coming in, he had a much nicer place with nicer furniture and he was cooking them like, you know, delicious grilled chicken mm-hmm. with steamed vegetables or whatever it is. Maybe I'm embellishing. But the point is to say that like, that's a learning curve for guys as well that I enjoy really kind of helping them become aware of and also building up the skills towards whether it comes to 
cooking or, you know, creating something for the children to get involved in, right? And also dealing with the kids on an emotional level, becoming yeah. more emotionally intelligent. Oh, gosh, right? guys need this so much. It's just about having the be, being okay and saying, I need help in this area. There you go. You know, That's I wish I, that I don't think enough men do. That's the point. Yeah. That's the point. All right. Um, let's go to commercial. Action One Plumbing is a family-owned business that has been serving the Los Angeles area for over 35 years. The owner, Stephen Alexander, passed away a year ago, and now his wife is running the business. Steve always offered special rates and donations to synagogues and Jewish institutions since the 80s. So we're excited to support this Jewish solo parent business owner. Be sure to call Action One Plumbing when you're having problems with those pipes. Visit actiononeplumbing.com and use our exclusive code JDP25 and get $25 off. And we're back. All right. So we just talked about our mistakes kind of. Oh, hi, Dodger. That's Dodger. In case anyone doesn't know. Um, we have a wonderful, mask. Yeah. Our wonderful producer, Craig, um, has this delicious and lovable and gigantic and friendly um, husky named Dodger, um, appropriately named for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, and uh, Dodger usually sits with us. And today he brought a toy. And he's amazing. <laughs> We've decided he's our mascot. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Okay, so what, what were we talking? About? What we were saying? Mistakes? We were we, earlier. We were talking about mistakes, and we were, we got to kind of the stage of like you know the actual divorce, right, and the yep. kind of legal process, and not having the support. But I have to say, the big mistake I think I definitely am finally now looking back and going, oh, is just the communication between us, the way. Oh we can my God. communicated for so long. And you know what I realize? I honestly can look back now and realize I was still talking to him as his disappointed, angry wife. Ooh. That's a big realization to come to. Yeah. Gosh. He was also talking to me the same way he did when we were married. Right. And, you know, my, yeah. one of my best friends who she doesn't have kids. And so sometimes she gives me advice and I'm like, what do you know? You know, but when it came to this, she would say, stop talking to him like you're his wife. Ooh. And I was like, what are you? I'm not his wife. What are you talking about? And honestly, I the, it was the bar mitzvah mm -hmm. that really made a shift for us mm -hmm. because we had to work like project, like partners on a project mm -hmm. for that. And now that I, I don't know, he's. We're, we're so much nicer to each other. We're so much more cordial. He's happy. He's got his little family. You know, it's now I feel like we're just business partners in the business of raising our children. And I think that now that we're kind of shifting to that gear of like talking to each other like business partners more so than getting the trying to get the emotions out of everything. Oh, my God. I'm like, why didn't we do this sooner? Why didn't we do this sooner? Why did we spend like four years? Yeah, like I'm not. What was I, like, there was just this constant anger. He literally was on my mind at least once a day with anger. Oh, so he was living rent free in your head. Why? Yeah. So okay. So what? What was uh, one of those subtle detail changes that you made in what you were saying to him? In the way I spoke to him. Yeah. Um, I. He would point out that I'm telling him how things need to be instead of uh, asking him. And I would be like, but my emails are just like, hey, this is what's happening this week. Da, 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 da. I was just very like matter of fact about things. You weren't collaborative. 
No, because these were all things that I planned for the kids. So I would like inform him of what's happening. Right. Um, not necessarily on his weekends, like sure. just, you know. Um, and I just now he he has stepped up and has been a lot more involved and comes to things and his fiance I think is a very good influence in that oh, way, which is also great that I I'm think, there. I gotta say it's come at the very least commendable that you get along with a fiance. Right, who now has brought a new baby into the picture. Yeah, and I think her becoming a mother really gave her a new respect for me. Oh, interesting. I'm not like the annoying girlfriend that still wants her man. I think that's how it felt like she thought. Well, but it makes sense if you start getting frustrated with him or asking him of things and his attention gets taken away because the fact of the matter is she still has two kids, Yeah, right, who he needs to focus on. For as much as he has this beautiful new baby, he's got to focus on these other two kids too. That's the role he has to play. These are the choices he's made he must now step yeah. up to that and so oh, she probably does understand that's yeah. really wonderful that like you're going to be like you need to do something about these boys for as much as you're doing something about that boy yeah i mean just uh, we've come we've come a long way yeah. honestly and i yeah. it's really feels good to be able to look back at that and to acknowledge i just really for so many years was so angry mm. that it took me years mm. to like understand how to have a different communication with him we have a we, we have a new relationship and it takes time to to break old habits i literally have to say I, there's moments where i think i talked about this a little bit last time that i have to like be okay with things being better i i've oh, never right had now. this i've yeah. never had nice communication Very with him Jewish before of you. i've never had nice <laughs> I, I i don't it's it's foreign to me yeah, I had to relearn and to be able to sit in the a joy new language, it, right? To sit in the joy. Yeah, I was talking about that with a friend a, a couple of weeks ago. Um, he was talking to me about his divorce that he's now going through, and um, you know, he asked me legitimately how things were going, and I said, "Really good." I got to admit it, really good. And I think a mistake I've made in the past, particularly in marriage. Uh, and certainly also having learned that now, much more capable of it, but sitting in the joy of things because it becomes so unbearable and unfamiliar that like, this is not the way it's supposed to be. So and you then, sabotage or you do something. To yeah, make food, it, food, food. Let's not, uh, right. you know. <laughs> Very Jewish of us not to be comfortable in the joyful times. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. And well, even particularly we, we, now, we've got to fetching and quelling, so we got to also quell. Well, and even with the war going on, you know, yeah. just now people are trying to figure out other ways still to celebrate there. But a mitzvahs is happening, and bar mitzvah, and and baby namings and weddings, and you know, life goes on. Yeah. I, the rabbi at our synagogue, Rabbi Ed Feinstein, said, uh, "It may seem like a cruel trick of life, um, but it does go on, right? Despite these tragedies, uh, yeah. and so learning to go on with life is." kind of all part of the healing process, I think. Yeah. Right. My friend was just telling me her daughter is at a at Heschel and she goes, she's like every weekend she has, she's at a temple right now at a bat mitzvah. And she's like, it's crazy during this time. Right. We're at a temple every week. And she says, right. it's, she's so happy they're, that they're there. Right. And that, you know. Right. And thank God they have security. Yeah. Right. Did you ever make any mistakes in dating? Yeah. Dating the wrong guys. <laughs> Lots of mistakes there. Uh, they might have all been mistakes. <laughs> That's a very good point, actually. That's a very simple answer <laughs> to a very stupid question. I mean, I didn't make a like a big mistake, like you know, getting myself like meeting a guy that ended up like. 
putting me in the trunk of his car or anything right. like that. But, you know. <laughs> Thank God for that. Absolutely. I'm here to talk about you it. I have so not been kidnapped. Mistakes have not been that bad. Oh, God. <laughs> but if there what any, about you? Um, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I, I, I think some first dates have turned out to be mistakes, right? Like, I shouldn't have gone out with that woman. I should have vetted better yeah. before meeting her in person. Um, even if there was some kind of fun to it, right? Some, you know curiosity about not knowing much about them before the first date. Um, I, I think for me, it's been like the wanting of the relationship has turned into like a real eagerness about it. And I think that kind of comes out my pores. And I think that's a turn off to some people uh, because it's eager, like, a nicer word to say than desperate. Well, I think it comes off as desperate. Yeah. Right. I'm not desperate. Right. I'm lonely. There's a there's a difference. You could be lonely and horny and not desperate. I'm not despairing. I'm just lonely. (laughs) I mean, that's what it is. I need a good cuddle. Um, You know, but um, you know, it's someone I can have a really good deep conversation, an intimate conversation with. But um, I think that Uh, email us in if you are if you are a good cuddler. Subject line, kettles. <laughs> um. <laughs> I mean, we need to put this platform to good use. <laughs> we find you a cuddler. Oh, man, that's really what this is all about, is just finding me a date. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, uh, it's, it's, yeah, I think that comes off as a lot to people. Um, and, and admittedly, like I am, right? Like I, I, I'm in touch with my emotions and I've, said to women that I've dated in the past, like there are times where I need just space to kind of do my thing and emote and be angry or sad or whatever it is in private because it's just my natural, like introverted way. Um, and it, I think it takes finding the right woman who can really deal with something like that. Um, because the other times when I would need someone when I was emotional, you know, could I, I need a strong person. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, finding the right person in that way and thinking that they were maybe was a mistake um, and not knowing how to communicate that either to the mm-hmm. point where it was detrimental in relationships um, has become uh, something that I'm really proud of actually accomplishing, learning how to communicate that. Uh, and so uh, that was certainly a mistake I made in my marriage as well, which was not really being that articulate about what was going on and yeah. be, and, and knowing how to zero in on it too, which is really a difficult thing. Like I have to give people credit, particularly guys who deal with a lot of emotional bullshit over the course of the day and probably stuff it down because that's what we've been taught to do. And nobody really asks us either sincerely how we're doing and wants to know, Yeah. Um, you know, it's, you can feel for guys sometimes if they're incapable totally. of really bringing out and sharing it in articulate and just careful ways. Well, I think for a lot of men, the, their wife is that one and only person that they're vulnerable yeah. with. Yeah. Women, and if the issue is with her, then that's, what do you do? Right. Who do you go to? Women are way better at talking about it with their girlfriends. Yeah. So they have that outlet. Right. Um, so funny, these perspectives on these things, too. When you were talking about that, I was thinking about the Saturday Night Live clip. It came out several months ago, over a year now, I think, when they talked about man parks. Right, a place for men to go because 
their wives come home and they're immediately bombarded with all the details of what happened during the course of the day because guys don't have friends. And so therefore they're unloading it all to their wives and they're mm-hmm. treating their wives as therapists, right? And I have to say, there really should be a certain level of intimacy and deep committed relationships where you can tell your spouse anything and everything, right? That doesn't mean you're their therapist. That means like you're there in life with them. Okay, that's the whole point of why you go down these journeys. Yeah, but people. to be their only person. But that's that's not what I'm advocating for. Absolutely, and you should go to therapy yeah. because spouses aren't trained for that either to yeah. deal with it. Like they just don't have the patience for it because they've got their own shit, which you also have to be compassionate for uh, and attentive to as well. Uh, a lot of shit. It's a lot of shit. <laughs> it's a ton of shit. I don't even know that so much shit. I lost track of what we were talking about. Um. What? We're talking what? about, oh my God, I lost a little track oh, there too. God. Where were we? <laughs> I got to eat before doing these things. At least a banana. No, we're talking about how the men, the women are their best friends basically. Yes, and they're thank one and you. Only. Uh, the man parks, right? Yeah, so they go to the man parks. parks and the man parks are places where they can socialize, right? Over common interests. And yet there was a real funny new uh, clip on Saturday Night Live. Social commentary is wonderful. They talked about gay guys and their straight female friends who like they can only tolerate for a certain period of time because then they want straight male friends who aren't looking for like, you know, the deep emotional conversations all the time and sometimes just want to hang out and have a beer. Right. And so like there are real strengths and drawbacks to like these qualities that, you know, people have. And it just really depends on kind of the perspective and the person involved in some ways. Yeah. 100%. 100%. That's fascinating. Isn't it? You don't really care. <laughs> You're like care. glazed over when I say For this. a second, but I do care. There he goes, rambling again about care. men's issues. <laughs> no, I, you know what? Everything you're saying is amazing, but in my mind, I'm thinking, Who's, what men are actually doing this? I'm not, I haven't met that many men who put much work, work into personal growth. No, they and don't. And when I do, I'm like, yes. When you meet a man that has done the work and listens to podcasts or has been to a you know listens to podcasts that's a you know no no that's that's a green flag right there not podcasts but someone who is self-help who's listening (laughs) to you know who's just who's focused who's reading books who's focused on personal growth and everything in that way Yeah, yeah that's that is not the majority no i would agree with you on that and i do think women tend to seek that out more after divorce where it's like, I need to figure out how I got here, why I got here. So I don't do it again. Right. Let me work on myself. Here's my opportunity. I don't even know who the hell I am. I'm just a mother and a wife and take that moment. Whereas men <laughs> might jump into something real quick, might feel like they just need another woman. I don't I've know that they that. take that enough time or That's they feel like they need a date about. or they, Huh? Absolutely. How men jump into deep relationships outside of, quickly. you know, once their marriage ends mm-hmm. quickly, more quicker, mm-hmm. lacking because I'm rubbing my eye. I, I also can't think grammatically, but more quickly than women do. Yes, yes, that's what it is. And I don't know why. I wonder, do you think it has something to do with kids? Like they think like having yes. a woman around will help them take care of the kids? I think so. I think for women, it's also harder to figure out how to date and have your kids and find the right. time for that too. Right. So it takes a little longer if the women have the kids more of the time maybe. 
that for sure, like just the custody yeah. schedule in general becomes difficult for them to navigate. But I also think, and I give women a lot of credit for this, that they feel a much more paternal instinct in that moment to say, my kids are going through divorce. I need to be a real stabilizing force for them. If their father's going to go out and date, yeah. right, then let yeah. me be someone who's just kind of stable and home with them. And that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And what happens is when men partner up quickly, then that woman is plays a part in a lot of things on you know, scheduling and when the kids are around and when they're not around and what, you know, I don't know. It's, there's another influence now. Do you think that like when it comes to divorce, because with all the balagon that is communication and how difficult it is to communicate in divorce, more difficult to communicate in divorce than it is in marriage. Um, and do you think with all these mistakes that get made in the whole process, do you think that they tally up or do you think like they just wash? I don't know if I agree with you that communication is harder in divorce than it is in marriage. I definitely think it's harder. I think Absolutely. it's, it's you have to communicate more. Yeah. And if and communication was your problem in your marriage. That's what I'm saying. Well, it's harder, yes. But it's just, it's, you have to communicate about everything. Yeah. For me, it was like. Right. I, yep. Everything. He didn't know half the time when the kids were coming, when they were going, what they had. I just did it. So I just did it. Now, everything needs to be communicated. Exhausting. Yeah. Back to the question at hand. Yeah. Right? Because, yes, communication and divorce, since we've now proven it scientifically <laughs> and through research, <laughs> is that communication and divorce is harder than it is in marriage. Okay. But do you think that the mistakes that are made, like, are there ever any so, are, are there ever any mistakes that are so egregious they can't be washed away? Or does it really behoove you just kind of in the whole divorce process to think about the mistakes that have made, but not dwell on them? I mean, that maybe that's just healthy to begin with, but then to just wash them. Because this is a yeah. whole big, like, navigation, right? There are very few rule books that are written for each couple specifically, right? Does it just behoove you to say, fuck the mistakes, forget them? I, I, yes. I just think that it really depends on how you got the, how the divorce happened. Was it amicable? Did both people want it? I think that if one person wants the divorce completely and the other person does not. Right. There is such deep feelings there. There's resentment, yeah. So much resentment that that's really hard to wash, I think, for the person going through That's it. not necessarily a mistake, though. I wouldn't call that a mistake. That's a tough decision. Okay. Right? I think what we're talking about, and, and a lot of people would say, looking back on that, that was the right decision, right? Yeah. Male or female. So now that I'm having this but realization my that like, my mistake was to just be like, let it go. That's what I'm saying. That like, all right, dating mistakes are one thing. We can laugh yeah. about those. But this is someone that you have to share life with, mm -hmm. right? And share children with, right? And potentially shouldn't grand children with or great grandchildren if you're blessed enough. But the point is to say that like, you don't just fade away. Yeah. Right. And it takes time. The learning curve for how to talk to people, how you're going to relate, how you are seeing things. You're mm -hmm. no longer their wife, but you think that you are right in all those circumstances. Certainly from your own perspective. Right. You you forget about your mistakes. You can't hold on to those. I've learned how to do that. Just wash them away. Everyone fucks up. Everyone makes yeah. the same mistakes. They just don't talk about them. That's what makes it difficult. My point is to say when it comes to your ex and the mistakes that they've made. Right. And thinking about them. Are there ever some mistakes that are just so egregious that you can't forget about them in the process of divorce? Or is it really just, you know, does it behoove you just to say it's fuck it? It really like it, in the grand scheme of things. I really don't need this. I don't want to think about it and forget all the mistakes. Let them wash. Forget, forget or forgive. Are you talking? I mean, as Jews, we should forgive. Of course. <laughs> but that's our. Yes, I think. 
listen, I can look back now and I'm not going to harp on the fact that I, it took this long for us to learn how to communicate with each other. Done in the past, moving forward, not to say that there's not going to be another challenge. I think that the relationship you have is going to change maybe every 10 years or however, you know what I mean? Five years. And it's about understanding you may have made mistakes, but now where are we at now? I think it's important to have like a check-in of like, what's our new normal? A lot of people would say that it is about forgiveness and I would agree with them, right? That means to stop being angry. You did that. It's about, it's not about them. It's about you. If you oh, want sure. to forget about the mistakes, you have to forgive yourself for making them. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. The self-compassion element of it is huge. Yeah. Right? To know that you're human and that's going to happen. You're going to fuck up. You can't do that until you're in a good place in your life. Probably right. I feel like I'm in a really happy place right now, personally, with what's going on in my world. And I think that I'm able to forgive because I've just, it does, it's not as important to me. See, when I, I was not happy, when I was stressed, when I wasn't in a good place, it, I'm, it's easier to stay angry. It's easier to not forgive. Look, I think there's a little chicken and egg stuff there, right? That you have to start having self-compassion for yourself. And in that way, mm -hmm. life becomes a little bit easier. And then also in my own personal inner work, I've realized that having self-compassion for myself enables me to have more compassion for other people. Um, and then in forgiving them and stopping being angry at them, mm -hmm. right, also helps me to stop being angry at myself and forgive myself for any number of things. And then I will add that it's probably also very healthy to forget it. Right. There's yeah. no point in keeping a tally of it. It's not yeah. going to help anyone. Right? I think we were so we've been so trained almost to like document right. all those things, you know. Look, in some divorces, time, it is have necessary. things in writing. But uh, well, well, look, let's also be clear that in some yeah. divorces, it is necessary. Right. In some divorces, yeah. you do need to document things. You do need to keep track of certain things for the health and safety of any number of individuals. Yeah. Those dealing with addiction or criminal behaviors or anything like that. Let's be wise about or it. Like custody battles. Exactly. Or all that stuff. But, in a, you know, in a good, you know, portion of other divorces, right, it really does, I think, behoove any of us to forget about those mistakes, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. It, keeping, attack, keeping track of them doesn't help anyone. It doesn't help you. And you're just spending a lot of emotional energy on the whole thing. Absolutely. Mistakes, friends. If you have mistakes that you want to share with us, right, that you think that there's a certain amount of wisdom that anyone else could benefit from, send us a note about it. At yeah. the Jewish Divorce Project at gmail.com. Love it. Love it. Well, this was a lot of fun. It was a good one. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Good. We're getting it. I was like, ugh, mistakes. This isn't a fun episode. But you know what? It's about learning from them. So it, at the end of the day, it's, it's well, about the also, light at the end of the tunnel. And let's also remind people that fucking up is part of life. That's how you get to be who you are. 100%. You really do. You don't get anywhere in life without fucking up. Because those are the decisions you made, you learn the wisdom from making those bad decisions to make good informed ones. And that just is the way that growth and evolution happens emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. So mm -hmm. embrace it. Embrace the fuck-ups, everyone. Share them with us if you have them. And uh, be proud of your mistakes. Chaim. Yeah. Chaim. <laughs> If you're interested in becoming one of our sponsors or have questions and thoughts about the podcast, please email us at thejewishdivorceproject at gmail.com. And you can always find us on social media at The Jewish Divorce Project on Facebook and Instagram. And if you'd like to work with me, I specialize in divorce coaching for women. I can be found at mydivorceconcierge.com and on Facebook and Instagram at mydivorceconcierge. And if you're interested in working with me for divorce coaching or spiritual coaching, I work with people of all kinds, 
of all backgrounds as well. My email address is noamrauscher at gmail.com. That's N-O-A-M-R-A-U-C-H-E-R at gmail.com. And you can also find me on Facebook and on Instagram at noamrauscher.